field. Allen out of the shotgun, passes over the middle. Intercepted by Andrew Sandejo to the 10, to the 15, to the 24. Cousins boots out to the left, passes to Diggs. This is Everson Griffin, and you listen to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is episode 18. My name is Cy Amundsen. I am sitting in the studio with the fantastic Chris Corso and the wonderful Jay Nelson. And for the second week in a row, boys, we are celebrating a nerve-wracking Tense, last-second, amazing victory. Two very different wins. The Dallas win was one. This this one was a roller coaster of emotions, a, a real tale of two halves, was it not, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. And you said it was a different game than, than most for the Vikings this year. How about a different game than most in the entire NFL in the past five seasons? Out of the last 99 games, teams trailing by 20 or plus points have not won Goose any egg. of those games. Goose egg. So one out of 100, and the Vikings are the ones that do it. Great to see at home. Great to see heading into the bye. Thank gosh, man. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy this bye. We're gonna, we're gonna be ready to go for Seattle. I love it. And and I will. We're gonna get. We're gonna really get into what went well in the second half. We're gonna hammer in on Kirk's big performance. Before we do that, I want to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna break it into two halves. Let's talk about the good and the bad because that first half, man. That first, I think you had Viking fans everywhere with PTSD from the Josh Allen Bills game last year. Every you know what, though? I will say it, it wasn't like everything was going wrong. You know, I, I, I was watching it with a couple of people, they were, and they were freaking out. Everything's going – to me, this was a situation where, you know, sometimes other teams execute really, really well. And first and foremost, we, we came in, and we have the best running back in the NFL. Bar none. Dalvin Cook, you get that guy going, you win football games. We tried to get him going, and they stopped him. Yeah, and that's what Vic Fangio does. He focuses on one thing, and he focuses on your best thing, and he goes and takes that away. He did it for the Chicago Bears last year against the Vikings, and this year he knew in this game he was going to come in, use that big defensive line that he has, Von Miller, a big pass rusher, and stop Dalvin Cook. That's exactly what he did because Kirk Cousins was moving the ball a little bit, not down the field, but he was 11 for 12 in that first half, which is shocking for me to even repeat that to you guys. Yeah, given given how the game felt, you, you wouldn't have thought he had an 11 for 12 game, and I think part of that was, you're right, those those passes were smattered and spread around a lot of run game failure, basically. Yep. And I think when you couple that with, we said this going into the game, there's no tape on Brandon Allen. There's no telling what he's going to do. You just have to come out and play the best you can in your own scheme. And I'll say, people were pretty hard on the cornerbacks again, and we'll get into that later as well. But credit to their receivers and their quarterback. Yep. Basically, they made three big plays in the first half. Two of them from the quarterback's arm. One of them on a what? Cortland, uh, Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton. That pass yeah. was—so they were fantastic passes. 
honestly, our cornerbacks were in a decent position, and their wide receivers just went up and made plays. So this wasn't busted coverages after, you know, busted coverages. We, we weren't getting it done the way we envisioned, and then they were executing on a few plays, and before you knew it, it was 17-0. Yeah, we talked about the rookie quarterback having no film on him. We know how trick plays can sometimes get this Vikings defense. It was a combination of that, a tough defensive pass interference penalty on Xavier Rose. God, that, you know, that I, was a killer. He's taken a lot of heat this year, but man, that was a dumpster call. That was a bummer. That was tough to see, so... A, a mix of big plays, a trick play, a rookie quarterback, and I said it on Vikings final prep. I said a fast start was necessary for the Vikings offense in this game. It didn't happen, but we still found a way to get it done. Well, it was literally the opposite of a fast start. And he, but here's the interesting thing: that game teetered into where it teetered into almost Bills mode was right at the end because I when Kirk dropped that fumble, I almost my 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 gut fan instinct and I, I fight through this, but I was like, well, turning it off, like I just I couldn't handle the emotion. I obviously kept watching, but to have him fumble and then you immediately after giving up the field goal, you get the fumble on the kick return. I I don't think that Anderson Deo interception. I don't think it was a last prayer. I, I don't. I don't think if you'd have told me right there, that's that is the play. That is the defensive play that will make the best comeback in the past five years in the NFL happen. I'd have been like, oh, okay, sure. But it, it, that was that was a defining moment at the end of that half. Yeah, and it, Kirk said it after the game. It keeps you within three scores. It keeps you within striking distance. Anything more than that. Makes it, a, makes it an over-three-score game, which is almost, as we said with the stat, it's impossible to come back from. Just given, just given the, um, the time of possession yeah. you would need to accomplish that yep. level of point. Yeah, and Sandejo, as soon as I saw him grab that ball, I was, okay, stop the bleeding. That was the way to stop yes. the bleeding. He was able to kind of hold on to it there right before half, and it's like, okay, 20 points were good. Uh, 27 at that point would have been almost insurmountable. Absolutely. And and speaking of blood, just to wrap up the first half statistics, combined eight yards for Dalvin, only four first downs. We had one less fumble than we did first downs. Three fumbles. We lost two of them. Denver goes up 20 to zero. And and probably the most damning part when you looked at what was happening was a time of possession difference: 1901 for Denver, 1059 to Minnesota. But then. Unlike the Buffalo game, we went into the locker room, we made some adjustments, and boy, oh boy, did they pan out. They did say Stefanski basically grabbed a whiteboard for the first time all year at halftime and started drawing up plays in the locker room just to kind of be like, really? we're starting over, so here we go, boys. And I, and I, this is huge credit to this team. What I've wanted to see forever is exactly what we saw in the second half. Because like we said, I you know, I think some people maybe still don't recognize that is a hell of a defense, especially against the pass, the Broncos defense. Yeah, they, they are. They're, they're spectacular. They really do a really good job. So to come out, go into, go into a two-minute drill, which is, and, and they played no huddle two-minute drill, what, every possession, Chris? Every possession for the second half, Kirk told us, that they went for a two-minute drill offense, no huddle, and just kept on moving the ball down the field. Kirk didn't want to make the mistake, so he didn't just toss the ball down the field every single time. He more described it as being a surgeon and finding the spots where he can 
just just make positive impacts yeah. down the field. And I spoke to Ben Lieber on, on down on the sideline after the game, and I said, Ben, you're you're around here. You see, you were right by the locker room. How long was Coach Zimmer in there? Because I want to know, like, what did he say? He said he was in there for about two to three seconds, and he walked out. So I think he must have had some sort of statement and just walked out, and he made an impact let on that his, locker room. Let his coaches take over, make the adjustments. He, he dealt with the emotional part, and then they were off to the races. Here's another thing to think about with the two-minute offense. You're down 20 points, and when you're ahead 20 points, what is the thing you always hear? Turn the line loose. Like, pull your ears back, and let's go get the quarterback. So they did this with a good defense coming after your quarterback. Let's run through some of the statistics from the second half that Kirk put up and that, that the reason, because it was, it was almost poetic. My brother was sitting next to me in his chair and he goes, ah, Diggs didn't, you know, Diggs really doesn't have much of a rhythm this, this game. And I, I started defending him. I go, Greg, he's, he's getting doubled. His t-, and then bam, bam, touchdown, first down, bam. They just started going. So just in the second half, there were some ridiculous offensive statistics. Yeah, 35 plays, 321 yards, 18 of 23 passing, and three touchdowns. I mean, Kirk, he was, like we said, he he picked his spots when he wanted to go down the field. And one thing I noted when we were talking before the show was when he rolled left on a play action in this game, he was two for two. A touchdown to Stephon Diggs, which was probably the loudest I've heard U.S. Bank Stadium since the Minneapolis Miracle. That brought us right within four points, and then he did it again. That's the moment where everybody was like, wait a second, are we we doing this shit? Is this happening? Here we go. And then then the next one was the lead. And it's Kyle Rudolph coming across the field for his third longest touchdown of his career with the Vikings, where he was wide open. Kirk couldn't even believe it. So I like when Kirk rolls left. I'm a lefty. So I strong left. Left side, strong side. And think about this. Given it was a 20-0 game at halftime, when you find out that you wind it up with Diggs with five receptions for 121 yards and a touchdown. Rudolph for five receptions for 67 yards and a touchdown. A big screen to Dalvin Cook. A big pass for a TD to Irv Smith. Yeah, it's amazing that you would have gotten to that point offensively. And the defense, as much as they struggled in the first half, again, like I said, I think that was more just some real execution on Denver's part and some some strong plays by the receivers. But the defense came to play. And not only did they come to play, they are a offsides on a punt away from that's the only thing that led to that field goal there otherwise this might have run this might have run route direction the other way we might not have even been playing nervously at the end of the game and that's the thing is it, what you've seen the last two weeks especially is when it gets down to crunch time and they have to make a play in order to hold them out of the end zone they're doing that can you believe McManus missed that field goal that is that never that is a that is a viking miss man I've, my whole life that's the kick that we miss and he's lining up and it's in from the somewhere in the 40s i was like there's no way he misses this and then shoink the moment that went right i was like Oh shit, we're going to win this game. It stood no chance. <laughs> it never looked it like even, it was going in. <laughs> it wasn't even close. Let's talk real quick here. We're going to jump all over the place. I, I'm feeling the emotions that I felt on Saturday. Because uh, then I have a very specific question for you guys. Because you were on the field and in the locker room. But let's let's talk about J. Ron Curse. Let's talk about a guy who always does his job. You know, never catches much heat. Never gets a ton of praise. He's just a guy who goes out and does his job. You don't win that game without him. That to to go fourth, you four downs in goal, 
and have to stop all of them as passes. Yep. You have to stop four passes from what was it? The two yard line, the three yard line, the four somewhere. The four, the, yeah. So, yeah, four. And to have him make those plays, yeah. and not just that, but how he played throughout the half after he replaced Harrison Smith. I mean, I I could not have been more impressed with with J. Ron Curse. Yeah, my biggest thing on J. Ron is I know he took a little heat when he wasn't the starting safety following the injury to Anthony Harris, but his thing, his strength is being the utility man for the Vikings. He can come in and slot in. He slotted in the nickel corner spot. He's filled in for Harrison Smith at the safety spot, but his biggest strength is when you have a big-time, tall, wide receiver as a tight end or, or a wide receiver, Noah Fant. There is no one that matches up better with Noah Fant than J. Ron Curse because he has the size and he has the skill and he has the speed to make those plays, and he showed it at the end of the game. And I, it's two weeks in a row. You want to talk about a confidence builder for a young safety who who gets called into action at important moments. Last week, he makes the interception on the Hail Mary. This week, he's playing crucial knockdowns. Right up, It was him with the knockdown on the fourth and goal play. Yep, and it's not even just for him. That's a confidence builder for the coaches. You know, They know they can plug him in and feel like this guy's going to make a play if it comes to his side. What, so here's my big question before we transition out of this game. What was it like in the locker room? What was Because Ben texted me, Ben Lieber, after the game and was just like... It, this is bonkers. He goes, this is the the excitement, enthusiasm, and emotion. I, I, I can't, especially given what you said about the halftime and how that went, what was swirling around in that locker room after Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, you can find the, the head coach Mike Zimmer's locker room speech on Vikings.com. I suggest you watch that if you haven't already. I mean, the, these guys were so excited to go into this bye week with that kind of victory just you're up here. You're you're up in the sky after that win, and and Coach Zimmer started that speech off with saying, "That's a that's a good team. Those Denver Broncos. They've lost three games this season by two or less points. So they're not they're no slouch that we beat there. They're a good team, and we got through it, and we won the big game. And there's nothing better than going into a bye week where you have some star players with some injuries who get to sit around and rest." And get ready for that Monday night football game in Seattle. A season-defining game for us. I think we're in a good position no matter what happens next Monday. But that is a chance. Like I've always said this. Good, great teams, teams that contend, they have these moments where they can def- if they lose the game, they'll still be in contention. But if they win the game, it can define their season. And that's what this Seattle game is. Uh, backtracking a little bit, I want to say one more thing. I just cannot wait to see this this no huddle more often. And, and I think now, it's speaking to coaches' confidence, what I've said all along is there's so many weapons on this team. Let's just trust that this offense can go out and beat the hell out of somebody. And to me, there is no better example of down 20 to a fantastic defense and throwing 27 points. It was the same story in terms of time of possession. In the second half, 17-42 to Denver, 12-18 to Minnesota. But we beat that. It's a completely different half. So I and I, A, we all know football is about preparation. So one of the huge things that this this game does and this, this no uh, huddle offense does is everybody that plays us for the rest of the season has to go... Just remember, at any given time, they can go into this no huddle that they torched a good defense with. But I'm hoping that we see it on an opening drive, randomly in the second quarter. Bring it out when another team doesn't expect it, because the truth is, as much as I love Dalvin Cook and think he should be in the running for MVP and all these things, every once in a while a team's going to stop him. 
And so it's, it's not bad to give teams something to think about and start a game slinging and running and gunning. And it's just an experience thing with Kevin Stefanski. He has not as much experience calling these plays himself. It's probably almost at a full season of games now. And for him to be able to make that adjustment at halftime tells me a lot about what he's doing with this Vikings offense. He always His main thing is being multiple. He talks about being multiple, being able to run and also being able to, able to pass, throw in the play action. We know how successful that's been for the Vikings this year. But for him to make this adjustment at halftime, I think that is the biggest, biggest takeaway from this game is the adjustment by the offensive coordinator. Well, and I think uh, the head coach, who is pretty, uh, from all accounts, hands-off and likes to trust his offensive leadership to run the team, this has got to instill a huge amount of confidence in those guys that they were able to walk off the field and say to your head coach, look what we did, look how it works, and he can go, hell yeah, guys, keep it rolling. That's also a thing where it comes down to making sure you have the right personnel because one of the main reasons why they always talk about not running that kind of offense all the time is because it wears out your offensive line and those kind of guys where it's constantly go, go, go. If you've got the guys that you've now changed kind of the philosophy with your O-line of getting the athletes Mm -hmm. who can get out in space and run – that means those guys are, are prepared to run this kind of an offense, and that's going to kill defenses feeling like they're just trying to keep up. And speaking of that, we did that offensively without Adam Thielen. So, and you hit this on the head. We go into the bye week. Hopefully, hamstrings are tricky, man. They are a tricky, touchy thing, especially for wide receivers. But, you know, this was the whole idea with Adam Thielen was keep him out, don't risk it hopefully hold him through the bye, and if we can get him back for the Seattle game, that would be huge. The Linval thing, there's a lot less chatter about Linval, so in my head, I assume it's the same way. Are we thinking that uh, uh, the bye week is going to help him and we'll probably see Linval after the bye? Yeah, we're hoping that, that he's ready to go after the bye. We also were missing two other starters, and that was Josh Klein, the starting guard. Concussion protocol, correct? Absolutely. And, and then that should clear up through the through the bye week. And that's a huge to get him back. I was talking to some guys today about how impressed they've been with his performance being a veteran on the Vikings offensive line with a bunch of young players, the trio of young players that they have there at that position. And then Anthony Harris as well. We're, we're hoping that he yeah, can... Sandeo had a big pick, but Anthony Harris, Anthony he's Harris a game changer, just man. played really, really, really well. And then Harrison Smith, obviously tweaks a hamstring, but Chris, you were saying you talked to some people and they it's not that they're not worried, but there seems to be a level of confidence there that uh, the bye week will do Harrison well. Absolutely, and that's what you hope. I mean, you, you same thing. Hamstring. Very, how tricky. rare is it that you only have five or six games left in the season, and you get this kind of break in between? Coach Zimmer gave the gave the entire team off um, following the team picture yesterday. So this team is going to hell. Be, I didn't get invited to that. This this team is going to be ready to go for those last couple games in the season. It's all about who's hot at the end of the season, and I think Coach Zimmer is just getting ready for those last few games. And it's also why. Coaches and front office staff, whenever you get the schedule in April, May, they constantly are looking for when's the buy. They want the late buy in order to make sure you're healthy for the final push at the end of the year and make sure everybody's good to go. Well, let's talk about let's talk about schedule and buys and playoff chances and and everything of the like. Because on Sunday you had the Panthers take a pretty brutal loss that knocked them down a peg. The Rams beat the Bears and they put themselves in a little bit better of a position. So Bill Barnwell at ESPN did an article including the top 
eight NFC teams, in his opinion, that are really in the race for the playoff spot right now. You got the Niners, the Saints, the Packers, the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Rams. Uh, There's a percentage chance that each of them are in or out. Right now, the Vikings at a knock on wood, 92.9% as they sit in the sixth seed. So if you're a Viking fan, you're obviously rooting against the Rams. You have the head-to-head tiebreaker against the Eagles, and the Panthers seem to be failing down the stretch, and they have a brutal game this weekend against the Saints. And so actually, if you're a Viking fan, and we'll get to the other side of this, you might want a Panthers win right there. So you have uh, the, the big team remaining that's chasing you is the Rams, and they have the Ravens on Monday night, the team that might be the hottest team in all of football with maybe the MVP at quarterback. So that's the wild card side of things. Now, if you start talking about can we win this division, can we maybe get a first round by? Can we achieve some of these larger goals? There's a game you might want to watch. <laughs> Packers, Niners. That is the, if your hope is to catch the Packers and make that last game of the season, Chris, a meaningful one and one with the division on the line, we need a win here from the 49ers because you got, this is the Packers' remaining schedule. They got Giants, Redskins, Vikings, Lions and Bears. That's after the Niners. So you got to think Giants, Redskins, and probably Bears are no-shows. I'm going to hold out hope on the Lions because it's the last game of the season. I think Stafford will be back because he's a gamer. A little bit of that revenge stuff. If they can do anything to hurt the Packers' playoff They like playing spoiler at the end of the season there. Yeah, and I just think because of the ref stuff that happened, they got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And that Packer-Niner game is the Sunday night primetime, so you're going to find out. It's a primetime Sunday night game. That's fantastic. So you, you have to be looking for them to lose because if they lose and we go on a run, that game against them could be for the division. And that's all you want as a Vikings fan, a home game against the Packers for the division. Beyond that, you know, you you do have, there's a real jumble here with the Niners at 8-1, and one, the Saints at 8-2, and two, and the Seahawks at 8-2. and two. You get to play the Seahawks head-to-head, so you can take care of anything right there. So, so like I said, maybe we're rooting for the Panthers this weekend because the Niners actually have a pretty brutal schedule down the, schedule down the stretch after the Packers. So obviously, take care of your own business. You got to win your games to be in a position, but it's a bye week and then a Monday night. So you basically have two full Sundays of football to watch before we see the Vikings again. So, you know, let's get out there and, and root against the teams that we need to fail. Yeah, it's a good time to root against certain teams. Looking at the Vikings schedule, the two biggest games are clear. Yeah, so, so, the- so read them off. I mean, I know most people know, but give, me, give them to me in order. We got December 2nd. We have December 2nd, Monday Night Football against Seattle Seahawks. In Seattle, In yep. Seattle. We haven't won there the past couple of years when we've played there. That is a huge now, one because of the wild card implications. And now here's, here's uh, buttoning back to what we said earlier in the show. That was a game last year. What was the final score? 7-0 to zero or 3-0 to zero or 9? It, it was like 9-6 to six nine or to something three. like that. It was some awful game. With Remember that bad call with the jumping over the line and uh, the whole nonsense? To me, this is the sort of situation where, and I know it's a risk, because if you go out and you fail at it, Russell starts slinging it the other way. You're maybe in a game you don't want to be in. But man, knowing what our few trips, last few trips up there have been, I would love to see that no huddle to open the game. I would love to see it once or twice in the first half and catch them a little bit off guard. But you're right. That game, that game, like I said earlier, is a season definer for us. Then we're then we're home. Next, we're home against the Lions. It seems like Matt Stafford will not be available for that game. So you got Driscoll as the quarterback, who's, who's I mean, I like our can, chances right there. I like he's, our, he's been playing well. I like our chances. I'll tell you one thing about Jeff Driscoll. I 
That dude can throw the football. He slings I it. I don't know how he is at game planning, smarts, you know, any of the understanding of football, but he puts that ball on a rope all over the field. The good thing for us, unlike Brandon Allen, there is going to be tape on Jeff Driscoll. We will get to prepare for him. So then after that, it's another primetime game, right? Next is a primetime game, Sunday night football. The Vikings will be in L.A. to take on the Chargers in their little mini stadium where we seem to travel pretty well. I think there's going to be a lot of purple at that game. Yeah, I think there's always a lot of opposite colors at that game. I I will tell you that that game is – I'm glad that it's not after the Seattle game. It bums me out that it's before the Green Bay. That one has a little bit of trap ability to it because you're going to the West Coast. You're playing outdoors at night. You got the the, the traveling home. There's just a lot that goes into that game. And, And we saw against the Packers. I know they played like garbage. Well, okay, I say they played like garbage against the, the Chiefs uh, on Monday night, but they still were only a touchdown away with four Phillip Rivers interceptions. So I'm not, that to me is, a, that's a hell of a, a task. And then you get your third primetime game in four weeks, and hopefully the division will be on the line. It's the day before Christmas, right, Chris? Yeah, well, it will be two two days before Christmas, day before Christmas Eve. I always Eve. count Christmas as Christmas Eve. <laughs> Christmas Eve counts my, as Christmas. That's when yeah. my family celebrates. Absolutely. The Monday night, December 23rd, this is the game to watch. Like you said, the, you think America likes the Vikings? Because they're going to see them three out of the next four weeks. That's I mean, nuts. And this game, everyone's watching. Vikings-Packers. Guess who hasn't won a game at U.S. Bank Stadium Stop. in I their lifetime? I hate it when you do this. <laughs> I, I love it. We're, I'm bragging. Chris has no We're understanding of how superstition <laughs> works, of how worry works. He's like, never in the history of football has Aaron Rodgers thrown 11 touchdowns in Minnesota. I just, He's never won a U.S. I Bank Stadium. I just strangle it. everyone who loves you when he, you do stuff like this. He hates this. it. He hasn't beaten Sam Bradford. He hasn't beaten Case Keenum. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. He cannot win at U.S. Bank Stadium. Hey, so guys, Chris Corso's address is... If you want to send your anger and fist towards him when that goes the other direction. I I, I, I have the final edit on this one, Jay. Do you? <laughs> Jay, 20, don't let him touch it. 2600 Viking Circle, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and then you finish the game, uh, you finish the season with Chicago, which is always a tough game for us. Uh, you know, if the season ended right now, we're six seed traveling to New Orleans, who would be the three seed, I think a lot of things are going to change in between now and then. As, as of right now, you know, let's, we can close the show out here, but as of right now, let's just, let's everybody enjoy the hell out of the bye week. Enjoy the fact that when, I normally hate it when people say this, but I am going to now be guilty of it. If when this season started, if you'd have told me we'd be eight and three into the bye week, I would really like our chan- I would really like our chances this season. So I, it, it's granted the Chiefs game was frustrating, the Packers game was frustrating, the Bears game was frustrating. But you got eight wins. You've done a lot of good things. There's still room for improvement, and I think everybody knows that, and that's a positive to me. And hopefully we get healthy. Just enjoy the bye week. Enjoy some other teams, and let's get ready for the stretch. Before we leave, I'm gonna I want to give you guys each what's the what's the one thing you're really looking for down the stretch? What's what's the one key to this team succeeding and making a run towards a division championship and maybe a first-round bye? My biggest thing is uh, Vikings general manager Rick Spielman addressed the media during the bye week, and he said, we need to get back to being a dominant secondary shutdown team. 
and that's the Vikings' pass defense. And Coach Zimmer, when he has some time off, he goes down to his ranch in Kentucky, he looks at every single piece of game film, and he finds a way to make adjustments. He did it last year after we started out really slow at the beginning of the season, and he improved it. I think he has that same challenge on his hands. Not saying we've been terrible, but up to his standards, Coach Zimmer... He's got some adjustments to make, and you'll see those in the last couple games of the season. You know, and I think I think to button on top of that, because that's been the biggest concern coming from everyone everywhere, lucky for us, we have the the greatest teacher of the cornerback position in in the, in modern fo- uh, football in the last 25 to 30 years as our head coach. And like you said, give him a little time. Let's see what happens. I'm with you on that. Mine is continue to beat top-tier talent because that's all you're going to find in the playoffs when you get there. That's a hell of a great point. I I think sometimes when people look at schedules and they go, ooh, that's a hard schedule. Because I don't get me wrong, I want a playoff game. I want to be in the playoffs. But the other side of me goes, if you in these last five games, if you lose four of them, you didn't deserve to be in the playoffs in the first place. And I think the players and coaches and staff, everybody would tell you that if we don't win games, we don't deserve to be there. So when you, to me, this is an opportunity. You have three primetime games, you have two games against title-contending teams, and one really tough road game. To me, this is an opportunity to walk into the playoffs, and when you get there, go, oh, this moment isn't going to be tough for us. Battle ready. Yeah, we're not going to be in a difficult situation because we've been dealing with this for the past five weeks. And you've been doing primetime games. You've also been, you had, you know, come from behind wins. You've had to do it the hard way, and you've had to find multiple ways to actually win these games. It might be on the ground, might be in the air. It doesn't matter. You still might see the Packers and the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs coming up here very shortly. Absolutely. Si, I have one more Bi-week activity. Nope, you get one take at the end of the show, Chris. Bi-week activity for fans. Go to NFL.com slash Pro Bowl ballot and vote for your Vikings. I need to see CJ Ham in the Pro Bowl because he deserves it this year. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of guys on this team that really deserve to be there. Kendrick's having having the best year of his career. Daniil, obviously, Barr, Harrison. Everson Griffin not only only should be a Pro Bowler, in my opinion, he should be the comeback player of the year. Talent all over the offense. Uh, Chris's boy, Kirk, is crushing it with 21 touchdowns, three picks, digs, uh, cook. But sneakily and quietly, as we have the best rushing attack in the league, C.J. Ham is out there leading it, doing ev- everything possible. And then, oh yeah, being a safety release valve constantly for Kirk. He's playing the the fullback position as well as anyone in the league, and he deserves to be there. I know that's sometimes guys like that who really, really deserve it, you know, get overlooked. Can I give you one other sneaky one who I, I believe deserves a vote? And I, I don't even know. I haven't looked at the ballot yet. Brian O'Neill. Love it. Brian, there, Brian yeah. O'Neal is... It's been like one or two sacks he's allowed all year. Brian O'Neal is, is quietly, you know, it's been a long time since this team has had a dominant offensive line, so most of the discussion surrounding the offensive line is how do we make it better, what do we need to do, but at some point this season we need to spend some time talking about how great of a job Brian O'Neal has done. Uh, a couple quick Vikings programming notes before we get you out of here. Under Center with Kirk Cousins had the Power Trip morning show, guys. It's typically two 
Tuesday nights on KFAN uh, from 6 to 7 p.m. You can also get it at Vikings.com and YouTube if you want the uh, video edit. You can also podcast it, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, all that stuff. This show, the MVP podcast, is uploaded on Wednesdays. Same thing, Vikings.com, YouTube when we have video guests, podcast wherever you want it. And finally, Skull Stories and Vikings Final Prep are off this week because it's a bye week and all the people that work in this building deserve to spend a couple days, you know, taking a breath and looking at their kids. I'm out. So you guys are out. Have a great time. We will see you next week in preparation for the Seattle game. Enjoy the 8-3, and three, everybody. We'll talk soon.